Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. The reading is taken from Revelation chapter 21, starting at verse 9, which you'll find on page 1,259 in the Pew Bibles. One of the seven angels who have the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall, with twelve gates, and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. He measured its wall, and it was 144 cubits thick by human measurement, which the angel was using. The wall was made of jasper, and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone, The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, and the fifth sardonyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made 
of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of pure gold, like transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendour into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honour of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Wow, what a vision. What a vision. Let's pray as we come to it. Heavenly Father, please open our eyes this morning to see the glory of all that you have, all the blessings that you have in store for us, so that that reality would take deep root in our hearts and shape our today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's not about you. It's not about you. School was doing a uh, production of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and uh, my friends had given me the strongest impression that it is about you, John. Seriously, John, more than one had said, you, you will get the role of Willy Wonka. And I believed them. Uh, admittedly, in that horribly British way, I, um, I was quick to reply, no, 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 I'm sure it'll be someone else. But they knew what I was saying. I was saying, yes, it will be me. They could see, I thought, it was going to be all about me. Well, excitement and anticipation built over the weeks, from where I stood, there was only one competitor, Ollie Prentice. He was incredibly timid. 
and therefore he would not be appropriate for the exuberant character of Wonka. So I was, I was a definite choice. The day of the auditions came. I confidently read my bit and awaited the good news. But it did not come. I would not be Wonka. Harry Hastings would be Willy Wonka. Harry Hastings, the thought hadn't even occurred to me. He was in the year below. Harry Hastings, the shame, the outrage. I, on the other hand, received the role of Mr. Salt, Veruca's dad. Four lines. <laughs> it's not about you, said the knowing glances of my friends. Now, it's all about me is a natural way of human thinking, isn't it? And we're thinking in our current sermon series about eternity, and the it's all about me mindset easily shapes our picture of eternity. Human uh, civilizations have often had the habit of burying people with their dearest possessions. Egyptian mummies could be buried with jewelry, pottery, fruit, wine, beer, and even items of furniture. Today, people uh, in our popular culture imagine heaven similarly. Uh, So, for surfers, heaven will be a great big wave. For golfers, heaven will be a perfect 18-hole course, and so on. The implication is the main thing about the afterlife will be that it is tailored to our own personal enjoyment. Now, that may seem very attractive on one level, but on another level, it is quite troubling if you think about it. Is bespoke personal desire fulfillment, is that really the ultimate human destination? Well, over these last uh, two weeks of our sermon series uh, and the last chapters of the Bible, uh, we have seen the great benefits of eternity. Chapter 20 tells about the end of evil. Uh, 21, uh, at the beginning of it, we saw there's going to be a wholesale recreation, whole new world. It will be so good to be there. But today, we're going to see how, nevertheless, eternity will not fundamentally revolve around me or, or you, but around God. And that's what emerges next in John's vision. And more than that, we're going to see that's a really good thing. One more aside uh, before we begin, though. You may be wondering, why are we doing this? Why are we talking so much about these distant realities? After all, it will be what it will be. We'll get there one day, and then we shall discover. Well, I think the answer why the Lord has given us these chapters and why we're preaching on them is that eternity gives us perspective. Do you know those moments when you're falling out with a friend or a spouse about uh, something that in the grand scheme of things is not very important? You know, the the plan about what you're going to meet up or some choice of route on your voyage or some DIY decision and you get really, really wound up about it. And what you need is perspective. So we as Christians need perspective. Because the present shouts, it screams, but the future only whispers. And so as Christians, we are called to battle that, to listen out for the future, the voice of God. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I'm hoping that as we just consider that briefly this morning, we're going to be encouraged by this wonderful vision of eternity. Three parts here. Uh, This new Jerusalem that we see in this vision. We're going to see how there's a new covenant, a new city, and a new temple. First of all, a new covenant. There's a new covenant in eternity. Revelation chapter 21, verse 9. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, 
the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, showed me the holy city of Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. He says, I will show you the bride, the angel says. Eternity starts apparently with a wedding, a covenant, an agreement. Now, what's going on here? It's very, it's very powerful picture language, isn't it? You might be helped to follow it uh, um, in, in your Bibles. You uh, look it up on your phones there. We've got this uh, image in Revelation 21 of a holy city. This represents the great mass of all God's people. And this holy city is presented as a bride on her wedding day, ready for her husband. Who's the husband? The Lamb. Jesus, God the Son. And we're being invited here, as it were. I'm sure you've been in this situation before, to watch the bride walk up the aisle, as it were. Because in eternity, we will have a new permanent relationship of love and intimacy with God of which marriage is the closest human equivalent. And that is actually an amazing prospect, particularly if you read the rest of the Bible. Uh, To give you a quick praise, see the Bible is full of covenants, uh, agreements about a relationship between God and his people, Noah, Abraham, David, uh, the prophets Hosea and Jeremiah actually spoke about the relationship between God and his people as a marriage, but often it's an unhappy marriage. God's people wander off again and again. They're unfaithful to their first love. And in a sense, that's the picture of our own lives as well. We, all of us, we wander from God. There are days, aren't there, where we just believe today's going to be a lot better if I just don't have him in my life. And our relationship with God is strained. But here is the conclusion. What a surprise. If we come to Christ and trust in him, our unfaithfulness towards God, it doesn't end in divorce. It ends in his love overpowering our unfaithfulness. We we will enjoy a perfectly renewed relationship, unbreakable with our eternal bridegroom. That is a wonderful, wonderful picture. And it will be an amazing thing to behold. So that's the new covenant. That's one part of this vision. Secondly, the new city, the new city. Have a look again at verse 10. It says, and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Here's a thought. Paradise is a city. Paradise is a city. There are many people in our city, aren't there, who are hoping to move out. They want to get down the A3 or down the A29 or whatever, uh, get, you know, a bit more space, a bit more garden, a bit more grass, slightly fewer people. Well, here's the good news, and it is good news. In eternity, we're going back into the metropolis, the new city. And actually, again, the backstory helps here. Um, if we, we go back, uh, God had already given his people a city before, the earthly Jerusalem, Started off well, and then you trace its history. It goes, goes wrong pretty, back, pretty quickly. Its leaders become rebels against God. They're partners with thieves. They, they're lovers of bribes. They're oppressors of the, 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 the weak, the fatherless, and the widow. Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? The strife of the city, Jerusalem, continues today. We know about that. But actually, it continues in every city across the world. And we know about it, our own city. We long, don't we, for a good city. But you know... The cities of today are not the end of the city's story. Here, the end of the city's story is the heavenly Jerusalem, 
re-established, forever secure city of God that will finally live up to God's ideal. And there's just two things I want to just pick up from this city. First of all, it's people. Uh, Jerusalem, John reminds us, is the city. What makes a city a city is, of course, that there are people in it. Uh, the fact that there are lots of them. Uh, I don't know how you get on with the imagery of uh, Revelation. But you know all the twelves? Did you notice that there were 12, 12 gates? Three, 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 three. Uh, and uh, there are the 12 angels. And then the, you've got the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles also inscribed on the side. Uh, and uh, all of this business about 12 is about how all of God's people... The Old Testament, the New Testament, they will all be contained. No one's going to be left out in this new city. So that means a lot of people in eternity. Now, I wonder how you feel about that. Because it's not quite how we see paradise today, is it? Um, Perhaps you're heading for a a wonderful Mediterranean break uh, this summer. Uh, Congratulations to you if you are. Uh, If you do so, why don't you look at the architecture? And I think if uh, if you're on on those classic kind of uh, beach-sized uh, high-rise buildings, uh, you'll notice that the skill, apparently, in designing holiday um, apartments is you have to put the maximum number of flats in the block whilst preserving that feeling that once you're in any of them, it's just you, the sun, and the sea. Nothing quite ruins uh, that atmosphere like an unfortunate sight of uh, a sunburnt belly of some Englishman just next door, right? <laughs> the point is paradise... In our day, it's, it's you alone. But uh, good news, bad news, I don't know, for you this morning. Not so in Revelation. Paradise is going to be teeming with people. And before you start having second thoughts about going there, consider how different it's going to be to our earthly cities. Um, it's an amazing uh, uh, description here. Sylvina uh, made her way through these wonderful um, words and stone types that none of us have any idea what they are. But the point of it is, it's just going to be perfect. There will no longer be a curse, verse 3 of chapter 22 says. So it's going to be totally different. We will live in close relationships with one another, but it's going to work. It's going to actually work. Now, let's not miss the consequences for our life as a church together. Um, In our culture, um, we're encouraged to use our resources and our time to escape from people. What I love about this church and Christians uh, in so many places, is you're prepared to buck the trend. You get involved with each other's lives. Even if life is a bit less tidy uh, and and a bit less in control that way, you press together, you invest in small groups and kids' groups. Wonderful people away this weekend at Carity Wood. Uh, Our Renew Cafe, we've got a bunch of people who just hang out there, want to press themselves together with the lives of other people. Community days, so forth. It's wonderful, that. But let's be honest, not all Christians and not all of us think that way all the time. Sometimes we like to have that kind of private, just me and Jesus uh, religion. But eternity is not like that. It's not just about you or, or me and God. Actually, it's not even about you and your friends and God, which is an interesting, isn't it? Often the number one concern people have about eternity is, where will my friends be? Actually, the picture God gives is it's going to be God and his people. All of them. Okay, so a little bit of a practical exercise. I'd like to just look around, look around the room here. Just have a quick look at all these, these faces here. See them all? Okay, get used to them. <laughs> because you are going to be seeing a lot more of each other. These people, together with many billions of others, 
very unlike you and me, are going to be our companions for eternity. That is the people of the new city. That's the people of the new city. And then secondly, the patron of the new city. The city, we're told, it belongs to God. It's God's city. And that's why it's called Jerusalem. It's known as the city of God. It comes down out of heaven from God. So God's people are going to spend eternity in his city. Uh, I came across a, a catchy phrase the other day. Earth is my timeshare. Heaven is my home. Uh, it works for you. Now, there's a lot of truth in that, you know, but there's actually, there's a little bit of a problem with that. It works as long as we grasp the heaven. It's not just going to be my home. It's God's home. It's the city that belongs to him. We're not going to be there as independent agents. We're going to be God's citizens under his perfect rule. And not just us, everyone who's going to be there, including the greatest of earthly rulers, they're going to step in line with him. Uh, Verse 24. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there'll be no night there. Night was, of course, a time of danger in the cities of the time. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. Nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who does what's detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So it's God's city. Now, this is a help, I think. Do do you ever worry about whether our different eternities are going to be compatible? You know, what if I can't think of anything better than spending my life playing computer games? What if you can't think of anything worse than spending your life watching me playing computer games? How are those two things going to come together? Well, I don't really know about the place of computer games. But here's the truth. Eternity won't be on my terms. It's not going to be on your terms either. It's going to be on the Lord's terms. And actually, that's what's going to make it a whole load better than anything you or I could think of. The patron of the new city is God. And just finally, briefly, the new temple, the new temple. Chapter, uh, uh, sorry, uh, chapter 21, verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.